morning. Good to see y'all. How y'all been? Well, I hope everybody's doing good. Um, man, I don't know. I just, I feel like we ought to take just a moment. Y'all, um, I don't know how many of y'all knew John Collier, Lisa's dad. And, you know, I'll just say, like, I, I, I wasn't super close to him. It's not like I spent huge amounts of time with him. But I know what I saw when I was around him. And, uh. That man was just kind. He was he was always encouraging and uplifting, and uh, the things I saw in him were the kind of things I want to be, you know. And so um, I just felt like I wanted to share that with y'all today. As you have a moment throughout the day and the week coming ahead, just remember to lift them up in prayer. That's a that's a big loss to their family. But at the same time, man, I know he's right where he was wanting to be. <laughs> he wanted to go bad. Uh, it hadn't been just a few months ago that um, uh, they had to life flight him, and uh, he he died uh, in the process of that transport, and they revived him. And, and the first thing he said was, why did y'all do that? <laughs> you know, he had already saw just a glimpse of what was to come and and hated that he had to come back for a little while, so... Uh, but I know God knows what he's doing. He had a reason. And man, it's so hard for us to understand that. But I know what the word says. The word tells us that there is a time appointed for every man to die. And then it's coming. You know, get ready. We can't live forever on this earth in, in this form. He's, he's got eternity waiting for us and it's going to look a little different. And that that's an understatement <laughs> if you know what's to come. So... Uh, I'm thankful for getting to know uh, Buddy. That's what everybody called him. I called him Brother Buddy most of the time. Uh, I'm thankful to get to know him and to have shared part of his life. And uh, just Let's just lift that family up this week, y'all. I'm sure they will probably have some need of some meals prepared and things like that. So uh, y'all know what we do. Anytime somebody's in a situation like that, we like to take as much burden as we can off of them. So let's... Let's do that for this family as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning before we get into the message. Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we just want to give you praise and honor and glory, for you are great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we love you. We adore you. We thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for your correction. We thank you for every aspect of our walk in relationship with you, God. You have truly shown us your grace and your mercy and how they abound toward us. Lord, as we go into this word today, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would would just permeate every corner of this building, that you would move in ways we haven't expected, and that you would just reveal to us the hidden knowledge of your word, Lord. I pray that you move in a mighty way and that your will would be done. Give me words to speak, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. We will begin reading again in verse 13. I apologize if y'all are getting tired of reading this same passage over and again, but uh, it's always good to remind ourselves where we are. So today we'll start in verse 13 and end of verse 17. 
Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So today our focus is on the helmet of salvation. And as y'all can see, we are pretty quickly drawing near the end of this series Some of you may be thinking it's about time, but hopefully not. Hopefully this is something you've enjoyed. I I know that uh, as we've went through this, God has has opened up new understanding on some things to me as well. So uh, I I hope that it's something that has been good to you, that's fed you. And uh, so the helmet of salvation is what we'll focus on today. So we need to talk about salvation. We need to understand Uh, that basic principle before we go further. So we're all on the same page today. We we know what salvation is. If you're you're already saved, you know what salvation is. You've experienced it. If you're not, you may have heard people refer to being saved or something like that. And so we're going to dig into it a little bit and see exactly what salvation is. Salvation at a very core level, is the object of hope of every Christian. It is our entryway into the promises of God. It's the thing that makes us different from the rest of the world. Without salvation, we're just a normal human like everybody else. It is the only thing that makes us different especially initially. Because when we are saved, we are sinners, just like everyone else. And when we do this one thing, we're going to dig deeper into it. We do this thing, all of a sudden, we have been forgiven of those sins. No longer are we destined for an eternity in hell, but we are destined for an eternity in heaven with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have new life. The Word tells us that that the Spirit of the living God comes and dwells within us. We become a new creation. The Word says old things pass away. Behold, all things are made new. And we look at people that have been saved, and sometimes that's not evident right away because we're still carrying around some of those things. So salvation is a transformational event, but more than that, as time goes by, God refines us after salvation. So there's a continual work that is done, but salvation has done what it was supposed to do. We shouldn't be saying things like, I'm being saved. I am saved. This is not going to be one of those things where where I hope I'm good enough at the end of this life. No, I, I have knowledge and assurance now in this moment that I am saved. No matter what transpires from this moment forward, God has me. I cannot be separated from that. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I have been washed and made whole. 
So that knowledge, that assurance, that peace, that comfort solidifies something in me. Now remember, we're talking about warfare. That, that all sounds great, but how does it translate into a, a piece of this armor of God and how it's going to play out in battle? I'm going to real quickly run through a few passages of Scripture about salvation because these things need to be poured into each and every one of us and reminded of them. I'm not going to give the references. If you want them later, I'll, I'll give them to you. But uh, Jesus says, Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He also said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Can anybody shout just a little bit over that? Come on. Anybody. I didn't hear shout. I heard some acknowledgments of what I said. I didn't hear anybody shout though. If you're saved, if you've been bought with the price of Jesus Christ, death and the resurrection, you've been redeemed, you've been renewed, you've been restored, there ought to be a shout in you, amen? There ought to be something that looks at the old you and says, I'm glad I am not that anymore. I'm glad I've got a hope of something new. I'm not looking for the end of this life wondering what's going to happen, but I know where I'm headed, and I'm waiting on the day that He appears, whether it be just for me or for everyone. The Word says He's coming for those that love His appearing. I long for it. There is something in me that I don't understand fully, but I know what it's saying all the time. I can't wait. I can't wait. Warfare. We are in war. I think I've said that enough. It's not a war we wanted, but it, nevertheless, it's at the door. It's going on all around us. I've tried each week as best I could to illustrate to us how each of these pieces of the armor play into this war that we're in. How critical they are to the Christian in their daily walk and, and how we should not just say, well, I'm going to pick one and use it, but they all work together. So we must remember what the Word says about salvation. Why is that so important? Well, I would tell you that it's because our enemy is going to say something different. 
How many of you guys, if you, if you look back at your old self before you were saved, would say, oh, I had some problems? <laughs> Again, another understatement, right? Oh, wretched man that I am, right? I, I, I look at my old self and... And I know my capacity for sin. I know my capacity for evil. And I'm so thankful that my God has done a work in me and that I'm not that anymore. I I must remember what the Word says about salvation because the enemy will come at me and he will try to remind me of my past like it's my present. He will try to remind me of who I was like that's who I am. But that's not the case because the Word tells me these things I've shared with you about salvation and I know that when I have made Jesus Christ Lord of my life, He's in control. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a new creation. I have to remind myself of these things. I have to build myself up with the knowledge of the Word of God all the time because my enemy, he is a liar He is a deceiver. He wants to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy. We must know who we are in Christ. This is a a realization that you need to come to if you haven't already. Who are you in Christ? It is so easy for us to look at our old ways, our sinful flesh and our old man. And, and because of that, we, and we should be humbled before God. But because of that, we, we try to examine our own worth and our own value in God's eyes. And that's not how God sees us. So who am I in Christ? Well, I am a child of the King. How is a child of a King treated? How is a child of a King viewed? They're not viewed as peasants. They're not viewed as outsiders. They're not viewed as as someone that should be ostracized and excommunicated. No, they're, they're someone that can readily come into the throne room. There's someone that can easily come before the king and get his attention and make a request to him. It's someone that has a place and a position. And y'all, as we we receive Jesus into our heart and and, and we're forgiven of sins, we make Him Lord of our life, we are made a child of the king. We have an inheritance. We must know who we are because the enemy again is going to come to us and remind us of who we were. He doesn't want to talk about who you actually are. We must remember that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. Why? Because we will sin again. It's easy for us to reconcile that We were sinners and He has cleaned us up. But we struggle when we sin again. Man, there's days I don't. There's days it's easy. 
and I know who I am, and I know where I am, and I know what God's done, but there's other days where I start to believe the lie of the enemy, and I struggle with repentance and forgiveness, and who I am, what He's done. We must remember we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And when God the Father looks at us, He sees us pure, holy, righteous, because Jesus was all of those things. Remembering these things helps us to maintain a confidence and assurance in battle. Man, I'm, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm hitting it with y'all today. I'm not just up here saying words, y'all. I believe this stuff. I believe it is important. It's vital that every Christian believes and knows this stuff. You must know who you are. What is your identity, church? How, how do you identify? You know, that, that is a terminology today that I don't even like to talk about because people have, have contorted it into this evil thing. I identify as a football. Well, that don't make any sense, right? I'm obviously not a football. But people come up with all kinds of strange things that they want to identify as. But I'm here today to talk to you about the holy, righteous thing that is in the Word. And I do identify as a child of God. I don't identify as who I used to be because that's not who I am anymore. If people got real with themselves and begin to identify as what reality is, things would change in this world. I need to know what God thinks about me. And as I enter into warfare against my enemy, I need to know who He is and where He is also. In His relationship with God, He has defeated. He is not a victor. He is a defeated foe that is still just kind of roaming around for a time period because God has allowed it. Y'all, we look at the book of Job. It is so important for us to understand this one thing because it tells us something very important about our enemy. When was the book of Job taking place? In a very general sense, it took place well before Jesus came to this earth. Well before He made this his sacrifice and rose from the dead and defeated death, hell, and the grave well before all of that. So you might would want to look at that and say, well, this is before Satan was defeated. Y'all, Satan is a created being. Created by who? Do you think it would be wise for God to create something more powerful than himself? That just doesn't make sense. God created him. And so we see in the book of Job in this early timeline where Satan comes before God and the only way that he can attack Job is because God allowed it. I tell you that today because you need to understand that Satan is not all-powerful. He has some power. But for the Christian, the only power Satan has against you is the power that you relinquish to him. 
You give place to the enemy. You give a place for him to come and set up shop. That's the only way he has power over you. He will bring temptations. He will bring lies. He will deceive you in any way he possibly can. But as long as we know who we are in Christ, we remember that Jesus has won the victory, that the battle is over, we can stand assured and confident that our enemy has no power over us. Oh, he's going to lie. He's going to attack. But because of salvation, we know that we cannot be separated from the love of God. You might feel like you have been, but you haven't. Huh? We win through the victory that Jesus has already provided. We have victory because He did. <laughs> so why, why is this piece of the armor, why did He take salvation and link it up with a helmet? Have you thought about that? Have you considered why it wasn't a shield of salvation or a belt of salvation or any of those things? Why? Why a helmet? Yeah. That's right. What, what does the mind do? The mind rules and governs the entire body. So when we talk about a helmet of salvation, that helmet is covering our head. That's, that's obvious. I understand that. But what we're really doing is we're saying, no longer do I rule and reign in this life. I have surrendered my authority to the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Salvation now is the ruling factor. Through Jesus. Jesus is the one now that is in control of my life. So that helmet symbolizes who's in control. Who the power is in this house. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Not they are God's, but they belong to God. Possessive. You're not your own. When we, when we are saved... You know, we've got to be really careful with these little prayers of salvation and how we model those for people. Because we, we often say, well, you need to pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart. But let's be careful, y'all. Be very careful that the person that wants to be saved really understands what they are doing. How, how sad would it be for someone to live a big portion of their life believing that they are saved, but they really are not because they were led astray. 
what really should be taking place during salvation is something as simple as, as making Jesus Lord. Now, He is Lord without your permission, but I mean in your own life. I, I have surrendered to Him and I want you to be in control. Yes, I want you to forgive me of my sins. Yes, I know I'm a sinner and I need your salvation, but I want you to be Lord. That is what salvation really is, is acknowledging who He is and receiving the work He's already done. So when we are saved, we are saying, I am no longer in charge. You are. He needs to become the ruling authority in your life. How many times have you thought in your life I've gone too far. had too much sin I went farther than than he would ever go to to restore me to forgive me y'all I'm I'm not gonna project onto you but I I know myself and I know things I've done but I also know his grace and his mercy In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I don't care how far you've gone, how far you've been, what you've done. I know His grace is greater. Now, this is no license for you to live however you want to. In fact, that would contradict everything I just said. What it is, though, is to say that God does not give you a helmet of salvation that you've got to somehow grow into one day. It fits. What I mean by that is He's not going to give you a conditional salvation. He's not going to say, well, if you can ever just get to a place where you've done enough good that this thing fits right, then you'll be saved. That's not how God works. God takes you right where you are, and He says, I'm going to save you, then I'll make you into what you need to be. I will refine you through this process. There will be pain that you go through. There will be struggles, trials, and tribulations, but I've got you. Why is that such an important thing? And why do I keep bringing these things up to you? Because I know my enemy and I know he loves to tear down the work of God in my life. He loves to minimize God's capability and maximize his own. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Did you hear that? Any other created thing. What's not created? God. That's it. Nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God 
which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't come up with something that can separate you from His love. So all that being said, we should be emboldened in our battles. We should be able to enter into battle knowing our Savior has provided salvation. <laughs> Y'all, we've looked at these pieces of the armor as we go through it. We're going hit to a, hit a really good one next week. We've looked at these pieces and how they work together. When we have truth in our life, everything clings to it. Here again, we touch this same thing. You need to know the truth of God's Word. When we know it, we have these components in place and we, we get ready to step out onto that battlefield. We should be emboldened knowing that if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. That's another way to say it. I'm saved. Are you? Have you been redeemed? Have you been bought with a price? Have your sin been washed away by the blood of the Lamb? I know these are all church terms. So let's make it real simple today. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. Do you know where you're going when this life ends? Let's make it real simple today. Because if you don't, if there's doubt in your mind, you better get it right. Y'all, we've over the past week alone, we've seen time and time again how sudden life can end. And I don't want to do anything to dishonor anyone or anything, but... Uh, just as an example, there was a boy on a basketball court this week just playing basketball. And then he's not. There, no outside force. There was nothing that somebody did. He, it was just his time. He didn't go to that game to, that, that day expecting that was going to be it, but there it is. I'm here today to tell you, if you don't know Jesus, you, you better... You better know Him. If you don't know where you're going to be when this life is over, you better get that worked out. Because you don't know how much time you have. You may outlive everybody here, or you may not. I may not make it through the end of the day, but I know this much, I know where I'll be when it's over. I know where I know my Redeemer lives. I know who my Redeemer is and I know what He's done for me and that He has got me in His hands. There is nothing you can do or say that's going to change that. There is nothing the enemy can throw at me that's going to change that because if I slip up and I fall to temptation tomorrow, I turn to Him and I say, Lord, I messed up again. Will You forgive me? Will You let me come back and, and continue to be Your child? And, and He runs like that father to the prodigal son I've already got the speech prepared. I've already got it worked out. All the things I'm going to say. And before I can even get halfway into the introduction, he has grabbed me up and said, Come on, I love you. And I'm still trying to give my speech. I'm still trying to tell him about how I'm going to do better and I'm going to do this right and I did this wrong. He says, Come on, I love you. 
I've been waiting for this day for you to come. And that might be you today. You might not know Jesus. You might not know what all this entails, but I'm here today to tell you that you can have the promise of eternal life. You can be forgiven of that sin and and that load lifted off of you. You say, I've done too much. You don't know what I've done. I don't want to know what you've done. He knows. He already knows. You're not going to drop a truth bomb on him and all of a sudden he's like, "Mm, maybe not. No, he already knows. He is waiting for you to turn and come back. And as soon as you turn and come toward him, he runs to you. We can enter into battle then knowing our Savior has provided salvation. Standing on that battlefield, covered in salvation, righteousness, truth, and faith. Covered, feet prepared in the gospel of peace ready to stand against our enemies. 